Welcome to the Kick-Ass Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Weaver. You might also know me as the brand medium. I have been in the branding industry for over 20 years now. I'm a published author and I'm also a psychic medium. So in my normal days, you can find me doing psychic readings for people's businesses and brands. But right now, right here on this podcast... I am talking to a bunch of kick-ass businesswomen who have made it successfully in business despite some setbacks. Some of them have personal challenges and some of them have had business challenges, but either way, they're going to tell us how they overcame them and how we can do the same. And they're also going to give us their recipes for success. So if you're starting up a business or you are wanting to get further in your business, then this is the podcast for you. So go grab a cuppa and settle in. And let's get on with the Kick-Ass Chronicles podcast. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Chronicles once again. Today I am joined by the gorgeous Courtney Wilder from Seeking Wilder. Hello, Court. Hello, how are you? Good. Thank you for joining me. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. No worries. We were just saying off air that uh, <laughs> we're both pretty good at chatting, so it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> if we can keep it within the hour, I think, is probably going to be the challenge with us today. <laughs> yes, we'll see how many random tangents we go on. I'm excited. <laughs> so now I feel like we're kind of repeating a little bit because you did come on and do a live brand mediumship session for me. So we have covered a bit of this, but for all my podcast listeners, can you just give us a bit of a rundown on yourself and an introduction about you know, your business, Seeking Wilder, and and you where you're at right now, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So hello, everyone. I am Courtney of Seeking Wilder. I'm an intuitive life and business coach and astrologist as well. And I think that I'm really here on the, and part of my magic that I have to offer the world is to encourage people to experience the fullness of life. And what I mean by that, I'm like the full spectrum of emotions, the joy, the bitterness, all of it all at once. And it's just about being a fully embodied human and how to connect into their soul purpose. And I absolutely, I absolutely love it. And of course, I bring in intuitive and intuitive living and I blend together astrology and all of the good things to make that happen. You do all the cool stuff that I like, all the astrology stuff. In my world, that feels like all the science-y like proper stuff. <laughs> and I, I love that. So you know, I was w- watching the one that you did this morning. You were saying like the moon was in Pisces and I was like, oh, hang on, I'm Pisces. Does that mean that this is like a good time for me then? Or <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Well, it's Pisces season. So this is your season. It's the season of your solar return. So it's always a great, it's always a great time when it's, when the sun is in the sign of when you were born. What was the journey that took you to where you are now with Seeking Wilder? I think what you do is really freaking amazing. I love it. Yes, but I'd like I, to know how you kind of ended up there. <laughs> yeah, I completely fell into it, I would say. I was a huge skeptic and I never really believed in astrology. Like I used to read my horoscope and be like, oh, it's a bit of hogwash, to be honest. But I only ever understood astrology in that sort of sense, like in the sense of horoscopes. And uh, now that I know that's our sun sign and I never really clicked like I'm a Virgo sun and everything I had heard about Virgos I'm like that's not me they talk about them being really really organized and I am I'm organized chaos is the best way to describe (laughs) me so I'm like I am not organized and tidy and put together it's just not who I am as a person so I never really connected 
And then I was listening to a podcast once by an incredible tarot reader and they had their friend on who was an astrologer and then they were explaining a little bit more about moon signs and things like that and I was like oh that's really interesting and then I looked up what mine was which was I'm a Virgo sun with a Pisces moon and everything that I read about Pisces moons I was like this is speaking exactly to my soul and then I went through the rabbit hole with it and me being me I do nothing by half so I'm like oh okay, this is really interesting me. I love working with the moon and full moons. I'm just going to do an astrology mentorship and just see how I go with it. And I just jumped headfirst into it. And it just makes sense for me. I think we find things that just make sense for us. Like I love human design, but my brain does not retain all of the details and all of the specifics. Whereas astrology, I love it. I love knowing about all the different aspects and all the asteroids and all the planets. And it just landed. It just clicked. It's like I had been doing it my whole life. I always said astrology for me was more like a remembering than a learning. And I think that I'm I'm sure we'll get into this as well. I am recently-ish diagnosed ADHD. And I think astrology just... The way that it complements my pattern-seeking brain, it's like I can put into language the pattern that I've been seeing my whole life, but I can be like, oh, this makes sense in the language of astrology. So it's a really beautiful way to explain people the patterns that I've always like always seen, but also have a bit of evidence to back up the patterns that I'm seeing. Yeah, that's really awesome. But I agree with you on the human design thing as well, because I do think, I was going to say, that is a bit of an ADHD thing, I think, because there's so many people who are like, oh, have you got a one in your gate or whatever? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember all the numbers on all the gates or whatever they are. <laughs> I don't have a clue. But when someone told me it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's about right. But yeah, that I, I never realised about the difference between the sun signs and the moon signs and stuff either, which I think is really cool. I might end up going down an ADHD rabbit hole with that and doing a bit of research. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is a thing. I think it's what I love about astrology is it's so well-rounded in the sense of we have every single sign in our birth chart somewhere. So it's not like I'm just a Virgo and you're just a Pisces. We have every sign uh, somewhere within our birth chart and they're all ruling over different different areas of our life, we'll just say. So it's so powerful. And the way that I work with astrology with my clients is I get them to work with their natural astrological seasons. So I get them to look to see, for example, we're in Pisces season currently at the, at the recording of this. So I would have my clients look to see where they have Pisces in their chart. So it just helps you understand that There's different seasons to focus on different areas of your life and throughout the year we'll focus on everything, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a blueprint of, okay, this is the main focus for the area of your life right now. This is the energy that we're in. How are you embodying that energy in that area of your life? And it just really helps you to know like the next step of action or the thing to focus on right now, rather than being like, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be focusing on and all over the place? So it just, I find it helps to give a lot of clarity and direction and being like, okay, even if I don't fully believe in astrology, like this is my husband, he's like, even though I'm not, he's not fully a hundred percent sure, but he's like, but if I just focus on the thing that you tell me to focus on based on the current moon or the current sun, he's like, it just seems to work out because eventually I cover every single area of my life and business as we move through. Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense anyway, because generally that's the cycle of life, right? And we do the same thing. And I, I know, like for me, as I've gotten older, I've been quite aware of my actual monthly cycle and stuff as well and where I'm at with that. And 
you know, when you're in that, when you're in that cycle, there's no point in trying to smash things out or whatever, because you just, you're not there. That's your kind of rest and recovery time. Then, you know, so when you're working with cycles, life flows a lot easier. And I, you know, I guess astrology is no different to that. Yes, exactly. That's something that I always encourage absolutely everyone that I work with is to understand their natural cycles and seasons and to know what it looks like for you for what season you're in. So I like to connect it to the season seasons. So what does it mean for you when you're in a summer season, when you feel magnetic, when you're wanting to be out when people are drawn to you and when you're in a winter season and it's that wanting to go inwards, that time to connect into your intuition, to sort of like, you know, go into your little hermit cave or your spring season when you're like, oh, I'm wanting to start to go outwards again and ideas are coming in and things about, you know, things are starting to bloom or you're autumn season where it's we're a little bit more critical it's about wrapping things up before the winter season and I think when you can understand what those seasons look like for you in the way that you're moving through your life but also how you're feeling internally you stop trying to force yourself to do or be something when it's not your season for that and you stop working against yourself and working with yourself and I think that intuitive living listening to your intuition emotional embodiment and of course astrology I find that they're like all these pieces of the puzzle just to help people really click into working with their own internal seasons, which just makes life flow so much easier. Exactly. I was going to say, it's more about ease and flow. We don't have to, I think a lot of us have had drummed into us, like you've got to, you've got to work, you know, got to work hard to achieve and blah, blah, and that hustle mentality and the, you know, all that, all that kind of fast paced, you know, achieve, 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 achieve. But quite often that just leads to burnout and you can be, pushing through in a time or a season that is not right for you to be doing so so then if you're actually lining up then it's ease and flow of your life and it makes life working smarter rather than harder I guess isn't it really yes absolutely and I just want to say that you know, working with your seasons and working with that ease and flow, it doesn't mean that you're not, there's not going to be difficult times or there's not going to be hard times or you're not going to feel sadness or any of those things. But it really does mean that there will be ease. Um, working with my seasons, of course, there are times of sadness and there are times of discomfort, 100%. That's also a part of being human and also a part of the seasons. But they don't destabilize me anymore. They don't destabilize me or, or um, you know, make me feel like I'm crumbling or anything. There's still that sense of ease and flow, even in times of difficulty or even in times of discomfort, because I'm also in that stage of self-acceptance of it's also okay for me to be in this season. And I find that those seasons of discomfort or crumbling and, you know, the death season cycles that we all move through, because that's life. Life is life, death, rebirth, life, death, rebirth over and over again. It just means that when we're in that death season or that crumbling season, I find that when you work with it and surrender to it and work with it, those seasons I've found since happen a lot faster than if you try resist, resist, avoid, avoid, disconnect, disassociate, dig your heels in because that transformation is going to be happening anyway. That death season is going to be happening anyway. So you may as well just work and flow with it. And that's how you create ease and flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you said, the word resist, which is so much of what we do so often. And even in that sort of, you get to that point of that toxic positivity thing. Like, oh, it's fine. Oh, it's lovely. Oh. It's like, yeah, but you're not actually allowing yourself to have that moment of, actually, this is pretty shit. So I'm just going to 
give myself that at the moment and I'm just going to, which is your term and I love it and I've been using it ever since you first said it to me, going to burrito myself in the blanket, <laughs> be a blanket burrito because that's where I'm at right now and that's okay and I'm allowed to have that. And then we don't, like as friends, I guess, sometimes before you've done a lot of your work, I, I now sort of am more of that person who will hold space and be like, what do you need from me? I'm not like, oh, here's a way to make it better. you know. But that's what we kind of learn how to do, isn't it? It's just like, oh, okay. They're not happy. I need to make I need to make them happy. We need to figure out how they get happy and how do I do that and cheer them up and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes it's okay to actually go, no, this is just where I'm at and I'm not going to be here forever, but I'm just, I'm having a moment and I'm going to honour that moment and I'm going to honour those feelings and that's just where I'm at and that's okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the way that I see it is, are you trying to fix yourself or someone else or are you trying to, or are you supporting yourself and someone else and we can so quickly go into I've got to fix and when we're always going into I've got to fix this I've got to fix myself I've got to fix my emotions I've got to fix my behavior I've got to fix my habits whatever it is that often will then come with a lot of shame a lot of shame will come into that because we are telling ourselves that we are broken there is something wrong with us there is something that needs to be fixed but when we are going okay I am going through something and it's and it's heavy and it's difficult and it's hard and you know again that is um, that is a part of life as well it's about that full spectrum of emotions. But when we're like, oh, okay, I'm going through something heavy and hard. And rather than how do I fix myself? How do I get myself out of this? I don't want to feel this. How do I get? And often that comes with disconnecting or disassociating. Instead, it's like, how can I support myself through this? How can I support myself? How can I nurture myself with this? So that's a really beautiful way to reframe that pattern. And when we're like, how can I support and nurture ourselves? It's like, oh, okay, I actually want to sit in here. That feels so much nicer than I've got to fix this. And often when we're thinking the fix, it's like, it's going to be quick. It's going to be fast. It's going to happen now, which can create more of that disconnection and disassociation from ourselves. When we're like, oh, how could I support myself best through this? How can I nurture myself best? It gives us that little pause and that time to really reflect on what it is that we truly need and desire in that moment to feel stable, to feel supported, to feel held. And instead of being like, okay, let me try and do something that I think is going to be a quick fix and is often going to pull me further away from myself. It's like, oh, okay, this is actually what would feel really supportive. Is it something like a self-regulation that I'm going to do for myself? Or maybe it's like, oh, I'm actually needing some external support, which can open us up to co-regulation as well, which can be so beautiful. Yeah. And this is the moment now (laughs) that I want to bring in just to qualify where you're at as well because I feel like your background you've had a lot of grief you've gone through a lot more than a lot of people have and I feel like that almost makes you more qualified to be talking about these you know a lot of, a lot of people are like oh but you don't know how bad it is for me and, oh, right. and it's like no you're actually coming from a place where you've been there so are you happy to share a bit about some of the things that you've kind of overcome through your journey as well yes yes of course absolutely because I think that's I think that's it and I I know that even times when I have been before I before I did all this work and started supporting myself truly supporting myself and nourishing myself when people would say things I was like "Mm, but what have you been through you don't even know you don't even know um so I'm definitely someone who has been through some shit in their lifetime that is for sure that is for sure uh just to give you a super brief overview and I guess to understand the placements of course as I said I am diagnosed ADHD I'm also diagnosed PTSD and bipolar 2 as well so I have been on a journey of mental health 
for as long as I can remember. I was raised in a cult. I experienced childhood sexual abuse, which of course created ongoing trauma uh, throughout the process. I ran away from home from 16 straight into an abusive relationship. So have dealt with domestic violence and just so many other things. And as Nikki said, I have experienced a monumental amount of grief in my lifetime. I have lost my father, my brother, my sister, my best friend, multiple other friends, multiple other family members. Uh, Since probably about 17 years old, I have lost someone close to me every two and a half, three years. So a lot of things, a lot of dark nights of the soul, a lot of times that I've tried to leave this life. Absolutely. And this is why I say that the difference between supporting yourself and nurturing yourself between fixing yourself can be life-changing because for so long, I needed to fix myself. I needed to fix myself. Why am I like this? Why can other people go through things and I can't get it together? Um, I must be broken. There must be something wrong with me. I must be cursed. I seem to be a magnet. I seem to be a magnet for things to happen and traumas and all these stories that I was telling myself. And the more and more that the more and more I would tell myself that and the more and more things happened in my life around me that then I was like, nope, this must be something about me. Oh, such and such has died. It must be the curse again. Oh, this has happened. Another abusive relationship. This must be the curse again. And it was all these things that I was telling myself. And then when I, it got to the point of when I lost my sister and my sister, we were 10 years apart But if you met my sister, you met me. And if you met me, you met my sister. We had very, very similar personalities. And I had her on a pedestal my entire life. I absolutely adored her. She was my sister. She was my best friend. Um, She was like the mirror of, you know, I would look to her and I would be able to see greatness in myself. And losing her really destabilized me in a really big way, understandably, because I was like, There is just so much grief and there is just so much loss. And I think when you lose somebody who is your person, who is the person that when you're having a hard time, they're the person that you go to and they're the person that just like unconditionally loves you and just gets you, of course, that's going to be destabilizing. And that was a time where instead of seeking support out of a wanting to be fixed, out of a belief that there was something wrong with me and actually being like, no, I really want to live. And I know that if I keep going the way that I'm going, I don't, I don't know that I will live. I don't know that I will survive my life. And that's when I started looking into doing intuitive work. That's when I started connecting with tarot. That's when I started connecting with astrology. And that's been like the cracking open and the unfolding of my soul path and soul purpose and really been the way that now I not only do these things and, and do it to nurture and support myself, I always say that I fell into this work in a very selfish way. Like I did this all for myself. I did this all to heal myself, uh, to be present, to be here. And then the beautiful gift is that, you know, maybe this is the Virgo son of me, that when I was truly of service to myself and supporting myself, it then meant that I was able to be of service and support others. And I think that there are times now where I'm like, don't, uh, discount's not the right word, but I'm almost like, oh, you know, it's my life. It's what I've been through. I don't think it's, you know, it's just what I've experienced. It's the way that I've experienced life. And then it's like talking to people like you or other people and they're like, wow, you have really been through some stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I really have. It is actually incredible that I'm here today and that I'm able to help others and, you know, speak to other people's experiences through my own, which is you know, the silver lining of everything that I've experienced. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I find, and I think that's why, well, also because I'm ADHD, but I think, like, that's, for me, why I'm quite open about a lot of the stuff that I've been through because I do genuinely believe that there is healing through storytelling and healing through sharing, right? And even if, like, obviously there's that sense of letting go, and obviously you don't want to talk about stuff too much because then you're re-traumatising yourself every time you talk about something, but the sharing of experiences and the sharing of stories can be healing for yourself but also for other people listening because they're like holy shit I've I've dealt with that I get I get it you know like you kind of have as they hear where you're at and where you've been through and seen your journey they it kind of gives them that sense of hope and that sense of connection and also if nothing else it's just the not feeling alone because quite often with situations like that where you have been I'm going to say victimized because I don't like the word victim like someone's made you that way it's not that you've chosen to be but there can you know there can be a lot of shame and you know feeling like no one else understands because I'm literally in this on my own because I can't talk about it or whatever because you feel too much shame and especially with like the you know childhood sexual abuse and that's just such a huge huge thing and I have we've got a bit of a history of that which I haven't again really talked much about but when you do talk to people, it's like people are like, oh, my God, that happened to so-and-so or that happened to this person. And the amount of people that that has happened to is astounding and I wouldn't have known that had I not, you know, shared what I was going through at the time with, you know, these certain people. But the interesting thing about that too is, though, because that trauma at such a young age then does, it breaks down your for lack of a better word (laughs) I'm going to sound like a hippie when I say this but it it basically breaks into your chakras right so your energetics are disturbed by that which then makes you way more prone apart from the psychological stuff that comes with that but it makes you more prone on an energetic level to predators because they can sense it so then you do find yourself in an abusive relationship and you end up in this domestic violence and you're like why what is wrong with me how do I always end up in these situations and it's like well actually it's nothing you did it's nothing you're not broken it's just that you have healing to do and that's the thing isn't it And you've got to go deep and until you do your healing then you kind of tend to repeat those cycles but I like that you were saying about your life purpose as well and how you kind of got into into it in a selfish way I I think that's the best way to get into things because like you said, you're doing it for you. This is That was about you. That was about, and you were following your guidance of your life purpose, right? Which you didn't know was your life purpose at the time, but you were just like, this is the thing that I need to do now. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, ADHD it and just go in there and, you know, go, go all in. And then it's turned into this amazing thing that you're doing now. So there is, there's, that's, that's that second layer of power and healing, right? Because you've managed to heal yourself and now you're there. It's the, it's the air mask thing, isn't it? When you're on a plane, you put your own air mask on before you do with your childs or whatever. And it's, that's kind of the equivalent that you've done with that. Yes, absolutely. Um, I say this often, but I'm going to say it here again is, you know, there, there is a famous sentence now that is a lot more famous is saying, which is never pour from an empty cup. Uh, whereas mine is never pour never pour. We should be filling ourselves, filling our cup up so much that we are constantly giving from our overflow, that we overflow into our business. We overflow into our family. We overflow into our friends. And 
that's where I've got to now. It's like my cup is so firmly rooted. Like it has these, the way that I view it has these really strong, strong roots holding it in place. And I am always checking in, always checking in on my cup, always checking on my capacity, checking in on my emotional capacity, my energetic capacity, my mental capacity, my, my physical capacity, and being like, where is my capacity at? Am I just, am I just level? Am I just breaking the surface? So can I, can I put more in? Can I do things that really nourish me and support me so that I'm overflowing, so that I'm overflowing into the lives of those around me? Or is my cup quite depleted and I need to take some time to be of service to myself to get me to that state of overflow again? And having that realization years and years ago now really switched everything and changed everything because you know, I used to love to martyr myself or to people please and to say yes and be like, yes, I'll be there. I'll show up. I'll, I'll do that. I'll help that for you without checking in with myself first. Whereas it's now I'm always checking in with myself. I'm always taking that time before I say yes to something. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time to breathe into my body and being like, is this a full embodied yes? What does my capacity look like? So that when I'm saying yes, it's a full yes. And people can feel the difference from receiving from your lack and receiving from your overflow. I think we've all had that experience where somebody has said yes to something and then they're there and you can, they're saying they're fine, but they feel resentful. And you're like, oh, I kind of wish that you just didn't come because I feel this energy and it's, and it's like, it's kind of taken away. It's kind of taking away from the moment and taking away from the joy. But when I show up and say yes to things, People are getting the fullness, the fullness of me and the fullness of the Courtney experience because I'm giving from my overflow or it's, you know, or I'll be like, I'm taking this time for me. Or if it's a close friend, I'll be like, hey, I have limited capacity right now. I still want to come. I still want to be a part of it, but I'm going to be more reserved and I'm going to be more quiet. And it's just opened up such beautiful beautiful dialogue and beautiful conversations with the people that are in my life. But also it just means that, um, I, I completely eradicated and broke that pattern of martyring myself and people pleasing for myself because I'm like, oh, I thought this was make me feel better, but it actually doesn't. It actually takes more away from my cup and that doesn't work well for anyone. It doesn't feel good for me and it doesn't feel good for the people that I've said yes to from a place of martyring and resentment. I really like that. I think especially when you are a people pleaser to realise that actually just by saying yes, when you're not there for it, you might actually be doing like unpleasing them, <laughs> displeasing them. Like you might not be, you know, doing your people pleasing because you're not pleasing yourself and you're not pleasing them if you're not showing up. And I like that, the full Courtney experience. I love it. <laughs> people, need, people need that full experience. And, that's, so, and when you were saying about the overflow, I just had this vision. I don't know if this is saying where my head's at at the moment, but I just had that vision, you know, when you get the champagne, like... <laughs> A champagne tower I was just like yeah like a champagne tower <laughs> it just all flows down from the bottle it's exactly all, it's all full and overflowing <laughs> exactly and that's it when we're giving from our from our overflow often then that energy is very like fulfilling for the people that's around us as well so it is like that champagne tower it's like I have an abundance I've got an abundance of energy I've got an abundance of capacity for right now so let me give you some of mine and then that helps to fill others up to the point that they get in their overflow flow and then you know that beautiful ripple effect of yeah. what can happen when we take that time to check in on our capacity and fill ourselves up yeah yeah 
I feel like it, and it all just filters down, and then everybody is just overflowing, and that's just a great place to be, generally, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, this is a bit cheeky, but I, <laughs> I was like, I really want to circle back to this, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. And I know I've, I've heard you talk about it in small bits before, but growing up in a cult, that is insane. What, I mean, I think I can take a guess at what that was like, but like, how did that shape you and everything, I guess? That would have been just such an unusual experience, or an unusual childhood, really. Yeah, and I think that, like, even me being able to say that it was a cult now shows how much healing that I have done because um, years ago I would have never publicly spoken about it because they do shun, they do shun. And if you have left and talk about it, you are the worst, the worst person in their eyes because you are what they would label as an apostate and it means that they shun you, they act as if you were dead, they completely cut you off um, and don't speak to you at all. And growing up in this intensely controlling, intensely controlling upbringing, it was suffocating. It was suffocating. And I think now as well, it's it's interesting now, um, last year receiving that ADHD diagnosis and my mum being like, wow, how did we, how did we miss it? We weren't looking for it. But I was like, look at also how you raised me. I had to be perfect, literally. Um, and I was an elder's daughter. My, my father was high up in our congregation. So I had these extra eyes on me and I had to be perfect and I had to contain myself. I mean, it also explains, of course, the childhood trauma and the childhood sexual abuse and everything like that adds to it. But I think also the the trauma of growing up in that way and having so many eyes on you and always having to be perfect and it it consumed my entire life. We were at church two two weeknights and one on on Sunday, and then of course we had to do the door knocking, the ministry as well on the Saturday, and it's like you never had room to breathe. They told you how you would be, and it was very like they always spoke of unconditional love, but it was the most conditional love in the world because if you weren't perfect, then they would cut you off. So the, you thought that you had these close friendships, and then if you were not perfect all of a sudden you were bad association and everybody would distance themselves from you and cut you off so it was now I understand was very surface level and it's interesting I'm now 33 years old and there's still things that I'm like oh oh didn't realize that was still impacting me like um in that cult only like it was the way that it worked was God is the head. So God, so Jesus was in subjection to God. God was in subjection to Jesus. And then like men were in subjection to Jesus. And then, and that's like 13 year old boys upwards. And then it was women. And it was very much like women could not have any, any authority or anything like that at all. And it's interesting how that, so those little pieces can still be ingrained in me. It's like, Oh, Um, who am I to get up and speak about that? I don't have the authority. I'm like, actually, yes, you do. And just these little things that you don't realize that that growing up in a cult has impacted you in that way. And you're like, oh, again, it's all I knew. It's all I knew. So like unpacking it and unpiecing it, I think it's going to be like a lifetime's work. And that deprogramming is so powerful. But I think this is also why I'm so big on de-shaming and de-shaming is an integral part of the work that I do it's intertwined in everything I do because not only did I have to deprogram very dangerous beliefs I also had to de-shame to get to where I am today I mean not only do I call it a cult and speak 
speak ill of their practices. But I'm also, in their eyes, would be like the devil. I, I do tarot and I intuitively ch- channel and I work with astrology and all these sort of things, which they view as very dangerous. So for me to be able to do the work that I do, I had to be like, oh, there's no shame in here. I can believe what is my truth. This is my truth and this is my heart's truth. And it's okay if my heart's truth is different to somebody else's because that's their belief. So it was quite intense. It was quite intense. Absolutely. I think they're, you know, as with any upbringing, they train you to be a brilliant public speaker uh, because we had to do door knocking. So the first time I spoke in front of people, it was in front of like 200 people at age six. So I was taught how to public speak, which um, is great now that I do keynote speaking. I think that's the I think that's probably the one and only benefit that I got. (laughs) So I'm just going to focus on that. Um, But again, it's it was, yeah, very, very toxic and damaging way of thinking and way of being and so containing. I mean, I ran away from home at 16 after years of mental health crises and trying to take my own life. And then, you know, I ran away to an abusive relationship because it was familiar because mm. the controlling was familiar, because all I'd that's ever been was controlled. That's what I was about to say. Like, it sounds like the whole thing really was just abuse and brainwashing from, like, it's almost like abuser tactics 101, right? Oh, you're not being perfect, so that's that's that. And you're now, so then you're constantly proving yourself and you're constantly trying to, you know, you're constantly less than because you're living up to these expectations, which then just gives them this control. Mm-hmm. yeah Maybe exactly you and they everyone. you know it's love bombing as well they love bomb you so when you're first because I left and then I went back again um after my dad died and then I I left again for a final time because I I didn't believe it but it was like when I was starting to come back again they, they loved to bomb me and love bomb me hard because I was so you know they wanted me back and then as soon as you're back in right as soon as they have that control the you know they flipped that switch and then it was like you know you're not good enough and then I was judged for the history and the past that I had and I was like well you said that that didn't matter because I was coming back I was yep. coming back so all of that would be forgiven but in their eyes it wasn't when I was young so when I was 16 not 16 15 and I'd lost my virginity by choice at that stage and the the elders came to speak to me about it and they told me I was damaged and ruined and no man would ever want to touch me and they, they knew my history. So they knew yeah. that I had been wound up in hospital, been suicidal, that it had come out that I had been abused as a child, sexually abused as a child. And then they thought that was okay to tell me that. And I was like, mm, that's what I've spent a couple of years in yeah. therapy unpacking, yeah. that I wasn't damaged and ruined. And now because I chose to do it this time, I am damaged and ruined, and that's um, I, that's when I ran away from home a couple of days later. Yeah, that's that's just like beyond toxic. But, you know, that's like let's just take the the one thing that we know will really trigger you and uh, turn it back around on you. But I, so I'll, I'll give a little bit of backstory of what I'm about to say. Courtney and I did a reading a little while ago, and I got to actually meet from the other side Courtney's dad. So. My question, so what's happening in my head is that guy that I was chatting to there, I I can't figure out how he ended up in something like that because he just didn't, I don't know, like he didn't, I mean, he's had very, like, his big personality, but how does someone who's so, I mean, I guess quite confident in himself end up in a place where it's also controlled, I guess? 
Yeah, absolutely. And my dad was always, yeah, he was always looking for something. This was not his first cult experience. I mean, it was one (laughs) that he ended up in, um, but this was not his first little introduction into a cult. He actually like hitchhiked across Australia to join Scientology. I think (laughs) when he was a... He was in his early 20s. Um, so it was not his first experience at a cult. And he just had that. He always believed that there was something bigger and he wanted answers to the big questions he had and couldn't find them. And I think he was also just always wanting a place to belong. I think there was that part of him. I mean, he grew up one of four. Um, my grandfather, as you know, now that we have an understanding that my grandfather went to war and obviously definitely had PTSD but as Mm. of the time um, was very abusive was very abusive to my grandmother and you know my dad had to see all of that growing up and I also felt like and I get have this understanding as well it's like he always felt like the outsider he always felt like he didn't belong and I think there was this part of him that was seeking that and his sister brought him in so his sister had joined and she was like, his, his life had fallen apart at that stage. He'd separated from my sister's mum and he, you know, had been homeless and I think he was just very lost. And Good time was, to rope someone in. Yeah. They loved Bombed him. They loved Bombed him. <laughs> yeah. And then he met my mum. He met my mum a couple of months later and my mum had grown up in it. And I do think that had he not been with my mum, he probably would not have stayed in it. But... Uh, like he loved my mum so deeply and he also was never going to have another failed marriage again that was something Mm. that he had said to my mum as well and I think he would have known deep down that if he had left the marriage would have the marriage would have failed you know I and I'm so grateful now that all of these years later I mean he's been he's been gone now for 15 years and my mum is out and I'm like it's amazing when I connect with his energy and just like you know it's that whole being being the black sheep, being the chain breaker in your family is so hard and so difficult. Like whoever is listening here that is that person for that family. But I'm like, stick it out because you can also get your family out as well. I got all of my immediate family out of the cult. Oh, that's just awesome. by leaving, just by just by living, yep. just by choosing myself and just being that, not not pressuring, not questioning their beliefs, but just by my example of choosing myself and you know, living my life and then being like, oh, actually, maybe there, maybe there is something here that we need to look further into. Maybe we should be questioning our beliefs. Um, and when you really question your beliefs, a cult, they cannot stand up to that kind of questioning. No, because none of it's ever logical, is it, or rational? It's, <laughs> it's based on a web of lies yeah. or uh, stories or whatever you want to call it. I can't think of a better way to word it because essentially it is just lies really, isn't it? because it's whatever truths they have created to keep people exactly and it's not like loving it's not loving heart truths as well well no when it is like you said if it's unconditional love then there's no conditions on it like you can't Mm -hmm. then be unloved by being imperfect it's not that it just doesn't ring true so that's that's just really fascinating and it's interesting to know that that still kind of happens like you know you hear about that stuff and you're like oh yeah that's like an American thing or you know like you kind of think yeah I can see that in America but so many people are lost and looking for guidance and looking to like like your dad you were saying like looking to you know belong because that's how we're we're primed isn't it in this world is like you need to be like everyone else you've got to be 
normal. You've got to be like everyone else. You've got to fit in because you're a herd, even though we're not a herd, but that's what mm. they want us to believe. But, you know, it's like fit in survival of the fittest, I guess, and then fit in or get turfed out. And that's the, yeah. our innate fear, I guess. And I think it's like an innately human thing, which is beautiful, like to crave connection, connection. and to crave community. Like we deeply crave connection. And I think if we don't know, one, if we don't know how to connect with ourselves in that way and to nourish ourselves and support ourselves and connect with ourselves first, we are going to be more open to any way that we can seek connection and we're just going to be like, I'm craving connection so badly, this person is giving me a glimmer of it, let me jump into this. And again, I've been in quite a few abusive relationships with also with like narcissistic people as well. So I was like, ooh, love it, love connection. Let me let me run with this. And then, you know, I because I wasn't connected to myself and wasn't listening to my intuition, I wasn't noticing the, you know, the the red flags, red flags. the rumblings yeah. in my stomach, which was telling me to get away from that. So I think that, yeah, it's that piece of first being able to really connect with ourselves and then to be like, okay. What does actually nourishing, supportive, loving connection with somebody else look like? And then how can I, how can we seek that out in a way that's not separating ourselves more from ourselves? Because again, it is a human need to have connection, hundred percent, and that's a beautiful thing. But it's that piece of being like, how can you be like the connection that I'm putting myself in? The people that I'm connecting with, they're actually nourishing me rather than separating me from myself. Because you should not have to get that need of connection met by separating yourself, by disassociating yourself, by shrinking yourself down, uh, by cutting off parts of yourselves and not listening to parts of yourselves. It shouldn't have to be one or the other. You can be connected to yourself and full and whole and still have that connection with others as well. Yeah, that's 100% true. And I think I always read a lot about this, but I think this, again, to me, ties back to the fact that we are a tribal species so we live in a tribe but each individual within that tribe has their own role has their own skills has their own magic that they bring to the table and that's something in the evolution of civilization I guess that we have lost and then now we have this weird thing where they throw in like the herd immunity the herd mentality all this stuff we learn about the herd mentality and marketing to make us feel like we're a herd so that we don't individually matter. We've just got to fit in and be like have the same stripes as all the other zebras so that we don't get attacked by the lions, you know. And what we have lost is that connection of a tribe because tribal living is very, it is all about connection. And like even the women, they'd sit there and they used to weave baskets or, you know, go out, pick berries. The men would go and hunt and then, you know, make the leathers and do whatever, like, this all, all these things we were all doing collectively together but all bringing our own individual skills into it. And I feel like that's, that's what we've lost and that's why we have that craving. But then we need to, like you said, we, we can't then separate that from ourselves. We still have to be connected to ourselves plus ourselves within the other group, the group and the people around us and our tribe. And I think that's why tribe has been become such a like a trend word like oh my tribe because that I mean that's really that's what we're all lacking that is what we are all lacking unless we have have consciously and actively like I know you have and I have as well gathered our tribe and collected our people and and you know consciously brought those people into our world and made our own tribes yeah very true and you think of how integrated uh people used to be in each other's lives 
it's it was really you know multiple generations would be living in one house it was that whole you know the saying that it takes a village to raise a child it was it was the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and the multiple grandparents that were all intertwined and it's just not it's just not like that in in western society of course we're talking about our experience from living in australia but it's not that sort of sense someone said to me once that they noticed that connecting with your neighbours and things like that and having a sense of immediate community around you changed with air conditioning. And it was just a really interesting thing to talk about with this person because it's like, yeah, we used to have all of the doors open. You used to be aware of what was going on in the neighbourhood. Your kids would play in the street because it would be outside and they'd be out and about. But with air conditioning, it's like, no, all of the windows are closed. You don't really hear what's going on in your neighbours and you don't really know what's going on about. And I was like, that's a really fascinating thing to think about because it's true. It's only recently this year that I've started connecting with my neighbors on the street and now all of our kids play together and things like that but I have lived on this street for seven years and it's only been in the past six months that now we all know each other and talk and go to each other's house for coffee and play with the kids together but I'm like we missed out on this for so long because I had no idea that I had someone living at the end of the street that was having a child around the same time I was my child's three and a half now and I'm like oh well, that would have been lovely to know that I have a mom going through the same thing that I was. Could have walked the prams Six... around together. And, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, the, the front of the house is closed up. The air conditioning's on. We're not as aware of what's going on in the street. And it's just those sort of little things that it's interesting to think about that it's like, yeah, we're not as enmeshed with our immediate community as we used to be. And I think that was the one thing that I struggled with coming out of a cult because growing up in a cult oh man I had the most amazing community growing up the most amazing community you have to think we saw a couple of hundred people every few days and we had so many friends and you know you would only of course you were only allowed to associate with people from that community but we were always doing things with such large groups of people and that was something that I really and do really miss that Oh, just seeing people every couple of days, being able to organize those random catch-ups and random coffees because you just saw them and you're like, oh, let's do it in a couple of days. Oh, why don't we just have a barbecue? The weather's nice. Let's all go down to the beach together. And I'm like, you see why people get drawn into cults because being offered that, being offered an immediate large group of friends and you're going to see people all the time. Like even still now, that is alluring to me. I'm like, I know how much damage it causes, but I'm like, yeah, there's a way we're missing that in modern society and modern community. And, you know, that's sort of what I'm thinking, like, how do we bring that back in, in a way that's not damaging? Yeah, 100%. I mean, even from my childhood, we we lived next door to our primary school and opposite us was a cul-de-sac. And so pretty much every house had a child of around about the same age, either my sister's age or my age like living there so we used to end up we'd just be we'd just either go to the school and rollerblade or ride or you know play in the cul-de-sac or you know we'd be in and out of each other's houses I think our parents knew where we were half the time to be honest <laughs> like they just oh they're just at one of the houses they'll be right but that was that for me was a really good memory of childhood and growing up in the 80s and not well that was more you know 80s I was in my I was born and then 90s I was teen and I was bit different but when it was more that younger childhood where we did we just we just were off doing our thing and we walked down there's a park at the end of the street we walked down there there's a few weird guys there every now and then but there was a big group of us so we'd be like oh let's leave that guy's a bit strange (laughs) you know and you'd just kind of you'd navigate it but you'd navigate it together and I think 
Yeah, it is such a shame. Like I do know my neighbours around here, but it's not. We're not at that point where you'd go, oh, come over for a drink or whatever, which I have done in the past in different houses that I've lived. You know, so it's it's a shame that we have. But I like the thought, like well, not the thought, but just that thought process of the air conditioning because I think that's probably pretty bang on to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was. I was like, what a fascinating concept when I heard that, and I was like, yeah. I mean. I can't really, I'm like, I can't Maybe really remember from being, well. from being young. Yeah, TV and air conditioning in that sort of sense. Like, you're more inside. The house is more yeah. closed off, you know, which is, it's an interesting thing to think about, for sure. It is, it is. And then now these days, like, I'll be like, oh, my God, what are they doing over there? <laughs> when you hear a noise, you're like, what is that noise? Why, why has that noise been happening for the last hour? What is going on? <laughs> so it's it's just, it is a big shift in in culture I guess isn't it I am aware we've probably got about 10 minutes so I just want to kind of tie this up and circle it back to to where you're at now and where you're wanting to go and what your big picture stuff is I know we've had a bit of a chat about it but let's do it again and just and how I I guess you your journey has actually helped you get to where you are and and how it's well where you're going I guess so as as you guys have probably have probably got from the gist of everything that I've been saying is the work that I do with people is helping them to connect with themselves, helping them to connect with their intuition, helping them to be present, to feel the fullness of their experience. And I am all about practicality. So I am a Virgo sun. So giving you guys a little bit of astrology tidbits, because I think that gives you a bit of an idea of why I am doing what I'm doing and where I'm going. So my Virgo sun, it's that call to really be of service. As I said, I be of service to myself so that I can be of service to others. My moon is in Pisces. So my emotional self is, is deeply intuitive and it's about connecting people into their intuition. Also love poetry, hence why I published a poetry mm-hmm. book. And then my rising is in Capricorn and our rising is the part of ourselves that we that we meet others with. So this is where I'm like, it's all about practicality. What are we going to do? What structures, what foundations can we put in place to be of service to ourselves and to connect with our intuition? So I have something that is called the Soul Seeker Society, which is a monthly offering where I give people massive guides. We have monthly moon circles. So we have monthly opportunities to connect together uh, because I'm all about community and I'm all about connection. And then also every two weeks, I'm in that group. I'm talking to everybody. I'm doing intuitive readings for everybody that's in that group as well. And it's my way to give people really practical guidance on, hey, focus on this area of your life. Here Here are some tools. Here are some practices. Because when I first started healing, And I was seeing psychologists and things like that. And I am all for psychology. It is amazing. But I wasn't getting a lot of practical tools. (laughs) I was (laughs) doing some beautiful things to work through my trauma and to heal my trauma. When I got through that, I was like, okay, now now what? Now what? Now where do I go from here? (laughs) Uh, Which is why this is what I give. This is what I give to my clients. I also have something that will be opening up in a couple of months. So follow me on Seeking Wilder, which is called Unlock Your Essence. And it is a 12-month intimate group coaching program where you do unlock your essence, where you overlook every single area of your personal life, uh, potentially of your business, if you have it as well, and be like, how can I be embodied in every single one? How can I be listening to my intuition? How can I be allowing that to guide me? How can I be fully unlocked and in my essence, uh, which is so, so powerful. So check me out on Seeking Wilder on everything. That's where I am. Jump in the DM. I love a DM chat. 
We'll um we'll put the links and stuff on the podcast. <laughs> yes, and I would love to gift everybody listening a free month membership into the Soul Seeker Society. So Ooh. I will we'll put a code in the col- in the show notes, but it'll probably be Kickass Chronicle, so you can enter that uh, into the Soul Seeker Society and come and be in my world for a month and check it out. Amazing! And- That's very generous. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, there we go. You got to make sure you uh, check out the the uh, code in the notes and uh, get on to the Soul Seeker Society. I love that. That's great. And in terms of, I guess, your, like the next steps, you've got this, but I remember we were sort of talking about the next kind of. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, to, yeah. <laughs> yes. so I'm currently working on book two, which um, if you go and check out Nikki's Instagram or mine, you can see uh, Nikki did a live brand mediumship reading for me, which was absolutely amazing. Um, and I found uh, the notes of a book that my dad was writing before he passed away. And what was so powerful is there's actually so many things that I teach and I share with my clients um, that are in there that line up so beautifully with what my dad, like my dad's view of the world. And he was a very, very successful entrepreneur, a very successful commercial real estate agent. He made he made wealthy people exceedingly wealthy and was very good at what he did. Uh, so I had that intuitive drop in to finish his book. Um, my last book I published in three months, definitely not doing that this time. So you're going to have to wait a lot longer than three months this time. I want to take my time with it, but I'm currently in the process of co-authoring a book with my dad. Yay, I'm so excited for that. I can't wait. And more speaking for you, I think, as well. Yes, definitely. And bigger. Definitely. Bigger yes. and more. You're doing, exactly. what, 200 do people like to... when you were six? You should be up to thousands. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I love speaking. I love doing keynote speaking. I love speaking events. So 2024 is the year to amp that up a little bit more for sure. And you are very good at it because I have seen you speak and it is, you are a fantastic speaker and you're a joy to sit there and listen to in awe, like <gasps> fangirling out while you're talking. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. But I think that comes back to the fact that you know you, you're in touch with you, you've done all your work and, and you can just stand there and hold that stage and have that presence because you are in your own power and you're in your own self and you know who you are. And I think that's mm. just, that's really the big message as well is that, you can't do that until you are confident in yourself, really. Exactly. You know, and I that's... think there's a piece for, I think like so much of public speaking in my case is is being able to read the room and connect with the room. And I can read the room and connect with the room because I can feel what is the room, what is other people's energy and what is my own. Because I am so full of myself, I am not full of anyone else, that when I feel somebody else's energy, I'm like, okay, beautiful. And I'm able to adapt what I'm saying, adapt what I'm sharing to meet the energy of the room or all the people that are in there and what it is that I'm wanting to talk about, which is, again, like another powerful piece of if you are wanting to get into public speaking and if you're wanting to get into being a mentor, being a coach, being an, an, an inspirational, motivational speaker, whatever it is, it's that piece of can you be full of yourself? Can you embody yourself so fully, know yourself so fully that you can really start to understand the energy of the room around you and you can be like, oh, that's not mine, beautiful, but I can feel what that energy needs and I can meet that with my own energy as well. Yeah, that just gave me a giggle because I was like, remember when you were a kid and I was so full of themselves and I was just yeah. like, 
Well, that actually is probably where that came from. And why should we not be full of ourselves? Because why do we want to be full with someone else? Exactly. <laughs> well, why, why would we want, want to be, be empty? Like... <laughs> exactly. I'm, like, oh, I'm actually going to. I'm going to reclaim that as a phrase I like it it's like 100% full of myself thanks (laughs) yeah I am so I am so full of myself guys I mean I am full of myself in the sense of I'm like I am amazing I am incredible I have been through so many things and yet I still rise above and overcome and I still remain heart open and soft with no matter what I have been through so why would I not want to be full of myself and I also know what it is to not be full of myself I also Mm. know who I am and how I am when I am depleted, when I am filled up with other people's energy, when I'm in, you know, when my cups are drained, when my cups have holes drilled into them or they're tipped over. I know what that feels like. And I do not, I do not like that version of myself. I love that version of myself because I have unconditional love for every single phase that I've been through and all the things that I have, but I don't enjoy being that version of myself. So I'm like, why would I not want to be full? And I'm like, not only am I full, my loves, I am overflowing. I am so full of myself that I'm overflowing that abundance of fullness into the lives of those around me. So then you get some of me too. And you get some and you get some. It's like Oprah. (laughs) Exactly. You get some. You get some. You You are welcome. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome chatting. And I know it always is awesome chatting with you. And I love the different tangents that we do go on. It's great. It's different every time. <laughs> I love it. But I love I really it. That ADHD appreciate you energy. being here. It is. Yes. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, the autism thing is an interesting. Anyway, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> we'll chat about the AUDHD thing. What do you call it? Audi, uh, Audi, Audi HD. ADHD. I can't get my head around it. <laughs> yeah, autistic ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Both. So that's Both. that's what that is. We've got there's all, all the, the acronyms extra going on. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much our household. We've got all of them, all of the acronyms that happen. Yeah. All <laughs> of anyway. that neurosparkliness, neurospice. Yes. Yes, we'll we'll make that a whole another episode. Yeah, that's a whole episode in <laughs> yeah. and of itself, I think. Yeah, but we bring the tangents, so the tangents are always good. But anyway, it's been it's been fantastic, my love, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, my love. It's been such a treat, and yeah, thank you to everyone listening. And please do reach out, drop me my DMs. I want to know if anything landed for you or resonated with you. It's just beautiful to connect to more people. Thank you so much for joining me on the Kick-Ass Chronicles. It's been wonderful to have you with me and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you want to get in touch with me or you want to see more of what I do, you can find me on Instagram at NikkiWeaverOfficial or you can jump over to my website at NikkiWeaver.com and every episode of the podcast will be on there as well Um, plus a few other amazing things that I am up to. So (laughs) looking forward to catching up with you again next time. 